0: I'm Natasha Kingsbury
1: I'm Angie Chuck. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake I'm Dr. Aaron Ujwin-McMorrow I'm Ben Joseph Stewart I'm Bliss Young I am Dr. Jacob Egbert I'm James Goodlatte I'm Kyle Kingsbury
0: I'm Lily Nichols I'm Mark Groves I'm Sarah Gustafson
1: I'm Jesse Golden I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein.
2: I'm Maren Green.
1: I'm Kelly Brogan, MD.
2: Je m'appelle Rick Safrize, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique.
1: Hello, I'm Paul Czech, and this is the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Enjoy.
0: Welcome back, fam. We are rolling again. got a special episode today. I am republishing an interview i did with rick Safries, phd david hayes md from uh it was an interview i did with them when i attended their vaginal breach workshop through breach without borders in western pa it was just outside of pittsburgh my hometown and i was fortunate enough to grab a spot as soon as we had moved back or moved to kentucky from san diego and um i brought my podcasting gear we had our old style microphones and stuff so the Audio quality wasn't as great, but it was good enough. We were able to capture the essence of what it means to be teaching, you know, OBs, midwives, etc. The ancient practice of facilitating a vaginal breech birth, which is when the baby's butt down instead of head down. The thing everybody worries about whenever the baby's butt down is that the butt comes out, the arms come out, and then the head gets stuck. And what can you do? Right? it's not like a shoulder dystocia where you can break the collarbone or break the humerus or you know do any of those heroic things. But even those are pretty heroic. Those are sort of like we've sort of we're in dire straits now. But we practice shoulder dystocia maneuvers or, or the, the maneuvers to relieve shoulder dystocia when the baby's head down. We practice them so we get good at them: the wood screw, the Rubens, delivery of the posterior arm, etc. Right, it narrows the the biacromial. Diameter, meaning the, the width between the shoulders, allowing the shoulders to come together and slip under the pubic bone, or beyond the sacrum, depending on where the dystocia is. We stopped teaching that to obgyn residents back in roughly 2000, when the term breed truck came out. One single study basically took it off the table for us to be teaching people. So that means that if a woman does not consent to have her belly cut open and the baby removed from the uterus called a C-section, and her baby is butt down when she goes into labor then we have a big problem because we still have to get consent. But since we're not teaching people the skills to facilitate any dystocias that might arise with a butt-down baby, that woman is basically forced between having possibly no attendant at her birth or consenting to a surgery that she deep down doesn't want. So we need to reteach these skills. We need people to know about them again and to be comfortable with them. And granted, very, very few babies that come breech butt-first have any issues whatsoever, just like with a head-down baby. But in that rare circumstance, when you either have a shoulder dystocia, like with a cephalic baby, or if you have a, a nuchal arm, let's say, or the head gets you know sort of in a, in a hyperextension, the chin gets caught on the pubic bone, it's a rare circumstance. But when it happens, birth workers nowadays are not being taught how to do it. Fortunately for Breach Without Borders, Rick Safries and David Hayes are doing this work, as is Stu Fishbein and a couple other people around the country. So It was a great honor and privilege to be able to interview them. And since I attended that first one, I've hosted them twice in Louisville. And every single time you learn something new, you learn slightly different language, slightly different procedures for how to hold the baby, slightly different language to talk the mom through, counsel her through something like this. And as you get more comfortable with the maneuvers, and they have this beautiful mannequin that feels like a very real pelvis with a very real baby, like it's a seven and a half pound doll with some bony articulations and there's this sort of um, silicone cast. The more you practice with it, the less nervous you get whenever you go to a breach. So we had this conversation. We have since developed our conversation and our relationship further. I consider Rixa and David Hayes the cornerstone of the new movement in maternity care, which provides us greater skills and greater patience with the process, simply by simulating the types of scenarios that we're so afraid of. So please enjoy my conversation with Rick Zafrize and David Hayes. Our sponsors are Fit for Birth. James Goodlatte and his team at Fit for Birth have put together online coaching programs for either pregnant women or women who are perinatal, postpartum, etc., in order to help them get back to healthy movement patterns or maintain healthy movement patterns through pregnancy. As we know, people who exercise generally have lower risks of hypertension, lower risks of gestational diabetes, lower risks of placental issues, fetal growth issues, shorter labor. Their labor comes on much sooner. They're not waiting until 42, 43 weeks for spontaneous labor. Exercise is key. And fortunately, there are people like James and his team who have customized exercise programs and protocols for women who are curious and and want to keep exercising through pregnancy. So there's two ways you can engage with them. You can go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, choose any of the courses there. You're going to save 20% with that link. And uh, as a listener of the show, you can either sign up for a coach yourself, or if you're a coach out there, whether you're a fitness professional, check practitioner, holistic lifestyle coach, you're a doctor, anything in between, you can go there and actually take some training yourself to better equip yourself, just like I better equip myself through Breach Without Borders for, for birth uh, experiences and uh, dystocia scenarios, you prepare yourself better in order to show up with as many tools as possible for your clients. So that's getfitforbirth, all spelled out, dot com slash beloved, and you can save 20% on all of Fit for for Birth's programming. And then Full Will Fertility, they make the best prenatal vitamin on the market, they make an incredible men's virility vitamin, and they make Nervous Nerves, which is a tonic that helps to calm your nervous system, helps you rest, relax, especially in that postpartum period. We don't do enough of that. The prenatal vitamin alone produced by Isla and her team, and Isla, by the way, is a registered dietitian. She is a nutritionist through and through. She oversees the entire production process. So you know that you're getting a high quality vitamin that doesn't have a bunch of fillers in it, and they're packed full of all the nutrients you need for a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby. But there's a reason. All of the things I've just said is the reason that Fullwell's vitamin has been praised in multiple publications for just how darn good it is. And it pales in comparison with the other junk that you'll find on the shelves at your local grocery store or drugstore. So go to fullwellfertility.com. Use code Beloved10. You'll save 10% on anything in their store. I can't recommend either of these companies enough. Without supporting our sponsors, I really can't do this show any longer. So thank you to them for supporting us, and thank you to you, listeners, for supporting them. Keep in mind, nothing in this episode is medical advice. It's hard to say that because we're all medical practitioners but this is not a source of medical information. This is our medical advice to replace what you hear from your doctors. This is all education, information, entertainment. And I've babbled on along long enough. Let's get into my conversation with Rick Safri's PhD, David Hayes, MD. You're going to like this one. Today, I have the audience of doctors, Riksa Fries and David Hayes, who are leading a workshop here in Western PA and near my hometown. And the purpose of the workshop is to learn a little bit more about vaginal breach delivery. And so before we get into it, I want each of them to have a moment to introduce themselves. So I'll start with you, Riksa.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'm Riksa Fries. I have four kids ages six to 12. I am a academic and a researcher and a professor. And I came to breach via a circuitous route from home birth and unassisted birth research. And I have a PhD in American studies, so I do both birth-related things and environmental studies-related things.
0: Thank you. And, and Rix is very humble about this part, but she has done one of the more ambitious reviews, a true literature review of everything that's been published on breach, and she has it categorized and everything else. And um, you've done quite a bit of of good for this whole movement uh, of trying to reteach this process. So I wanted to thank you for that.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. I always say that to be a good researcher, you have to have a high tolerance for boredom.
0: (laughs) It's a very boring life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Well, I'm David Hayes, and I uh, am a late to the party um, OBGYN. I'm Started medical school at 41 and residency at 45, and which I think is probably extremely beneficial to my um, tolerance of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a residency trained OBGYN. I also have some uh, critical care uh, certifications to go with that, critical care obstetrics specifically. I began my practice as a very typical, traditional. OBGYN practice and pretty much immediately started butting heads with uh, hospital peer review committees and accreditation committees and standards of care folks. So it didn't take me long to find a path into alternative forms of, of supporting birth and was fairly quickly doing home births because the local community asked me to uh, and that remained my practice for a long time i also when you're <clears throat> when you're a home birth provider in a state that doesn't really support home birth you don't have backup so i in order to actually have a life and and see something besides my home city i um also stopped for three years and worked for MSF, Doctors Without Borders. Then returned to my practice until I had the good fortune to run into a uh, well known breach provider and teacher, a woman named Sean Walker, uh, who is a PhD midwife in the UK and a breach specialist. And she did workshops in my office, and that connection led me to. Uh, to Dr. Freeze, and um, I, under certain circumstances, invited her to act to my hometown, to Asheville, to um, to give a breach workshop. And when she got there, I realized that I was supposed to be part of it. So, <laughs> so uh, we did the workshop, and, and it it didn't absolutely kill me. So we decided to do a few more, and that's, that's how this was born. But I'm glad to be here. I think that's,
0: I think it's great. and y- you mentioned the, uh, the sort of sort of rebellious nature of, of what you're doing and um, one thing that I, I really admire about, about you is that you're also also steeped in, in evidence and, and something that you and I, I think agree on is that sometimes we're lacking evidence for things that we're, that we're doing, um, and other times we're just simply interpreting data. I, I'm just talking about OBGYN in general, interpreting data to sort of meet our internal biases, and, um, and that's just unscientific. So I really appreciate that about you as well. I'm, I'm very drawn to that. So I thank you both for being here. In the interest of time, um, I, I wrote down a few questions here, and I'd like to just start off by, by asking you, what was the intention of hosting this weekend's workshop and, and other workshops like this?
2: We're working through my nonprofit organization, Breach Without Borders, which I started a year ago. And we want to retrain doctors and midwives how to do vaginal breech birth. We feel strongly that it's a skill that needs to be common among anybody doing maternity care. We also feel really strongly that it's a skill that's needed because without vaginal breech birth, we are coercing and forcing women into cesarean sections. And that is a fundamental assault on human rights.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. You want to add anything, David? pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then, um, you know, my next question then, and you talked so eloquently about this in the workshop this weekend, but, but really what's the, what's the future of this practice? Are you optimistic that we might be able to change things for the good, for the better?
2: I'm mildly optimistic. Vaginal breech birth has nearly disappeared around the world, except in certain countries that have always kept it as a strong tradition. A lot of these countries are Northern Europe Scandinavia, some of the best research coming out right now is coming out of these countries that have still kept vaginal breach birth going. And we're finding that the outcomes are really good. So we are also finding that in a lot of European countries, even ones that almost shut down breach for a while, they're more willing to adopt it. And there are countries that, and centers in certain countries that are rapidly re-adopting vaginal breach birth and centers that previously had no vaginal breach birth whatsoever. And they're re-adopting not just breach birth, but the newer techniques of upright physiological birth, which from all the research we have seems to be safer and easier and better for both mother and baby.
0: Yeah. So, you know, most of my colleagues uh, and I, I'm speaking about OBGYNs in general Mm -hmm. would refer back to the term breach trial. And so what you were sort of relating to was that at some point, you know, in the 90s into the early 2000s, there was, you know, a call for you know you mentioned the the one study to rule them all and <laughs> the results of that study have have had wide widespread implications could you talk a little bit about that trial and maybe some of the more contemporary data and, and how we, we might r- start reframing our, our view of the safety around breach.
2: For sure. I'll try to give the uh, five-minute yeah, the, the elevator of two-hour lecture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> two-day lecture, really. Yeah, really,
2: two-day <laughs> process. No, um, the term breach trial came out in 2000 because there was no large randomized controlled trial to answer the question, what should we do about term breaches? So the trend towards cesarean section started actually right around 1959, 1960 for term breaches. And so by the time the term breach trial came about, the question had almost already been answered. We were at 85% cesarean section rate in the U.S. in the year 2000 when it was published. So the TPT came for, out...
0: Uh, for patients who presented with, with, term, with breach. term breach.
2: Presentations, yeah, sorry. So the TBT was published to answer the question. It randomized slightly over 2,000 women, and it was supposed to include term breach babies, not singletons, not I'm sorry, not cephalics, not twins. They had certain selection criteria. And when the trial was published in the year 2000 because it found better outcomes for planned cesarean section than for planned vaginal breech birth it made immediate rapid changes around the world and shut down breech where it was still happening almost instantly in most countries the problem is the term breech trial actually is a lot more complex than it seems on the out, on the outset so when researchers have analyzed the TBT in the years since we've actually found a lot of problems We found problems with the randomization and recruitment process. A lot of women were in active labor when they were randomized. We found problems with them actually meeting the selection criteria. So these were supposed to be breech babies. There were accidentally cephalic babies included. These were supposed to be singletons. There were accidentally twins included. They were supposed to rule out anomalies and hyperextended head, but over 30% of the centers had no access to ultrasound. So we had babies with anomalies included. We probably had hyperextended heads included. We had a lot of other issues with the selection criteria being followed appropriately. And so with the 16 cases of perinatal deaths in the term breach trial, three in the cesarean group, 13 in the vaginal group, researchers have analyzed all of these and looked at the records and found that almost none of these are attributable to the mode of delivery. And a lot of these cases of perinatal death were complicated by babies who were still born before the time of randomization, which was against the selection criteria. By having in the perinatal death, they had two sets of twins. They had a cephalic baby that was still born before randomization. They had some anomalies that should not have been included. So the trial turns out to be way messier than we ever thought it was. And it's really hard to apply the findings of the term breach trial to any woman who actually cares about whether or not she has a C-section or a vaginal birth. This was... Only women who didn't care enough that they would be okay being randomized by the flip of a coin, essentially, to having one way or the other, having a birth one way or the other. So that's the brief version of the term breach trial and some of the problems with it. Is that good enough or should I go into more depth? Uh,
0: no, I, that's amazing. Yeah, that's okay. I, that's a that's a great foundation that I don't even know if most people who have heard of the breach trial would even have considered. Okay. Because the other thing we don't learn very, very well in a, in, in residency training anymore is is the sort of intricacies of being a medical scientist and reviewing the literature at all sure and you know let alone having the time to sift through all of this this data but you of course as we mentioned have taken that task and you've presented it beautifully. So thank you for that. Sure. And and what about some of the bad outcomes that came out of the term breach trial? And I, I understand that they've gone back and kind of looked into that a little further.
2: Yeah. Like I mentioned, somebody, uh, Mari Glazerman analyzed all the cases of perinatal death and found that almost none of them were actually attributable to the mode of delivery. And of course, many of these cases of perinatal, de- perinatal death included babies that should have not mm. been randomized mm. into the trial in the first place. Right. They were excluded from being in the trial, but they accidentally made their way in. So it complicates the issue. Another main issue that I didn't raise is that a significant minority of the women having vaginal births had no experienced obstetrician present.
0: And that's a a really important one. That's a really important thing to know
2: about the term breach trial. Yes.
0: So it's methodologically flawed um, Mm -hmm. to say the least. And every study out there is not, you know, nothing's perfect, but this one had some pretty serious um, issues Mm -hmm. within their methods. And, um, that's important because, as you mentioned, this really changed, really made waves um, within the OBGYN community. And so let's fast forward then to some of the more contemporary data, w- yeah. which which sounds a little bit more, I don't know, reassuring. I don't know if, the, if that's the word, but it certainly draws into question maybe some of these conclusions that were taken from the term breach trial.
2: For sure. Let me highlight one study coming out of France and Belgium, which is the most important study that anybody should know about breach since the term breach trial. And that's the study that's called the Primota study by Gaufinet in 2006. So this study was a direct comparison study to the term breach trial. They set up all their criteria the same way as far as what they were evaluating, how they evaluated it, how they grouped everything. They had four times as many women as in the term breach trial. The only difference is this was perspective, but not randomized. But besides that, it asked the same questions and looked at the same outcomes. In France and Belgium, they've always had a strong tradition of vaginal breech birth. They never gave it up. And so everybody's trained. Every residency program in obstetrics trains every resident in how to do vaginal breech births. They're still doing them everywhere. So this study looked at outcomes of almost every single maternity unit in France and Belgium. And they found that there were no differences in perinatal outcomes. No difference in mortality between planned C-section and vag- planned vaginal breach, and also no difference in severe neonatal morbidity. And measuring again exactly the same way as the term breach trial.
0: And and just to emphasize that these are, this is effectively repeating the term breach trial in the hands of practitioners that have been doing this since they trained day one in their and exactly. in, in residency. So yep. that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so, has there been any? Have there been any other studies that you want to, you know, highlight, or could mm-hmm. we, should we just link them later? What do you think?
2: I'm just going to group them overall and say that there are a lot of studies that have come out since the TBT. We have registry level data, that's nationwide data. We have multi center studies, we have single center studies, and we have a lot of them. And the overwhelming preponderance of all this data says that either vaginal birth is as safe as planned cesarean section, or it's slightly worse outcomes in the short term for the baby, but very, very slightly different. And so, for example, in the UK's recent guidelines that were published in 2017, a good estimate of what the short-term perinatal risk is for planned vaginal breech birth is about 1 in 500 for perinatal death. This compares to cephalic, planned cephalic vaginal birth at about 1 in 1,000 And a planned C-section at 39 weeks for a breach is about 1 in 2,000. So they are much different than the TBT. Again, that was 3 versus 13 per thousand for C-section versus vaginal in the TBT. So there is probably some risk in certain countries, especially maybe in countries with less of a strong tradition of always teaching it. But that risk is quite small. And again, we're only talking short-term outcomes. One of the things we talk about in our lectures and our workshops is that if you're going to make decisions, you have to look at not just short-term outcomes, but long-term outcomes for the baby, long-term outcomes and short-term outcomes for the mother and of course, the effects on the mother's reproductive future and on Absolutely. her future children.
0: Yeah. And so that kind of takes me into my next the the next area, which is the scary part for most birth workers, which is, you know, that's that dark and stormy night, the patient, you know, rolls into triage, they've they've had three prior vaginal deliveries. And they're saying, I'm feeling pressure, and you put your hand down there as the, you know, you're doing your due diligence, and you feel a rump, which, which is what we call rumping, um, as opposed to crowning. So, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Hayes here. When that happens, what would you recommend, uh, you know, a first-timer in this field do?
1: Well, interestingly enough, that very question was asked to uh, Dr. Lawrence Empey, who is the, is the UK author of the UK uh, Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecology's most recent set of breach guidelines. And it was at a conference in, in the context of reintroducing breach to the various maternity units in the UK it was asked of of Doctor Impey. To, uh, so, if there's if we're in a unit and someone comes in that's breach and there's not a breach trained person available, what would you recommend doing? And his response, which uh, I just is one of my favorite things of all time, uh, was um, <laughs> put them on all fours and go have a cup of tea. And not to be glib about, certainly I. Outcomes in breech birth are better for breech births that are attended by skilled, experienced providers, but the worst thing you can do if you don't know what you're doing is anything. So the vast majority of breech births will happen very spontaneously without any intervention whatsoever, and an inappropriate intervention makes the outcomes worse than no intervention at all.
0: Okay. Uh, well, I think that that already would, that would probably razzle most of my colleagues, but you know, there's also, a, I did it. I had the, had the pleasure of attending a home birth with Dr. Fishbein in California before I completed my residency training. And that whole time I did absolutely, n- nor did he, nobody did anything. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, a breech delivery. It was a cephalic delivery in a tub, uh, to a, to a woman who had had a, a baby before. And he, he had said, you know, a big part of this education is the art of doing nothing. You know, the watchful waiting and just letting, letting, um, letting this this process sort of sort of proceed. The other thing that I think is is relevant relevant here is there was that book that just came out: Babies Are Not Pizzas; They Are Birthed, Not Delivered. And so, you know, then it kind of draws into question, you know, many of the the things that we do in ObGyn are maybe unnecessary interventions, and oftentimes the babies come in whether or not you know you the the, the doctor extraordinaire there, but, but maybe walk me through, walk me through maybe some of your counseling for, for a patient who's scared. Let's say that, you know, they didn't expect this to happen. They had no idea they were breaching. They've heard, you know, through all the headlines mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you counsel a patient? And, I, and they're rumping, you know, like we're, we're in full blown so almost second that's, stage that's here. Yeah.
1: being in are within seven minutes more yeah, or less exactly. of, of having a birth. And I think that The options at that point are, are, well, in my mind, they're pretty straightforward. But So I think that I would tell these people, it's just easy in my mind to use the ARCOG guidelines, which basically say that a cephalic birth is about twice as, or a, a breech birth is about twice as, has about twice the morbidity and mortality of a cephalic birth. And a C-section cuts that morbidity f- by a further 50%. But you're talking about relative risk, not absolute risk. I was just about to say, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I would tell someone that their risk of a bad outcome is about 1 in 500, and that they have to balance that against the long-term sequelae to that baby of having a C-section, to that mother of having had a C-section and her next pregnancy, and to the babies of that next pregnancy. So that risk is, uh, you can minimize it somewhat, but it doesn't go away. It's deferred downstream. Uh, So
0: do you want the risk now or do you want the risk later? Do you want the
1: risk now or (laughs) do you want to carry it the rest of your life? Right, right. And you would have to put it in the context of that woman's reproductive life this is her first baby and she plans to have a family of 10. She has much greater impetus to avoid that first C-section.
0: So I, you know, I've been watching these videos with you now for over a day. So, so let's say that we're proceeding. We're going to, we're going to do this. Let's do this vaginally. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've got my thinking cap on and I've got my hands free until I think that intervention is needed. And of course, you know, I'm going to kind of illustrate maybe what it might look like. This what we what we refer to in, in a cephalic delivery is we, we we talk about the the position of the head relative to um, the pelvis. Well, in this case, we're gonna we're gonna describe the position of the sacrum relative to the pelvis. So so the, um, the 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 fetus is coming down sacrum right transverse or right sacrum transverse, and and then we see this nice rotation to sacrum anterior. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing good descent the the legs are flexed up by the head. so you know the fetus is coming down, the legs then pop up, pop out, expel, and of course the the mother's on all fours, and then we have one arm that is delivered, and there's one other the other arm is trapped. Mm-hmm. And so between this scenario and maybe the head entrapment scenario, that's probably what most providers have heard are the the right. scary things. so what are some what are some little tips you can try to give and we'll, we'll you know, where we're, this is not comprehensive breach workshop with David Hayes right now. This is <laughs> a, in dire straits. What are some things that they might delivering birth worker might think about right. if they end up in this scenario?
1: Yeah. Well, you you just said a lot of interesting things and you basically described what a normal breach birth looks like. And for people who don't do breach birth or haven't been exposed to breach birth, there is an incredible amount of information that you can get from watching what the baby does as it's coming down. You don't have that option in a cephalic birth. Everything is hidden and you have no idea what's going on internally. With a breech birth, you can see everything that's going on and you can make a really good guess at if there's a disruption in that mechanism, what that disruption is, and, and you have access to the baby because it's right in front of you to fix that disruption. So in the scenario that you describe, which is probably the most common significant scenario that, that disrupts the mechanism of a vaginal breech birth, you're describing basically a, an, an, an arm that is caught anteriorly on the mother's pubic symphysis. And there are two rotational maneuvers that are specific to vaginal breech birth. They are done in different ways. One that is is championed by Sean Walker, who I talked about earlier, is um, is uh, uh, colloquially referred to as prayer hands. But you take uh, your hands and you put them flat against the baby's back and chest, uh, with your fingertips up by just just making contact with the occiput and the mentum, and then you rotate that baby in a way that dislodges and sweeps the stuck anterior arm down in front of the baby's chest. And then with your hands that are already in there, you can feel that arm when that that rotation is successful, and you can sweep it down very gently, Then you rotate the baby back to sacrum anterior, and you allow the birth to complete. There is another option, a group in Frankfurt, Germany, that's doing a whole lot of research in this area. A fellow by the name of Frank Leuven has developed a technique that is similar but different. It treats the impacted shoulder at the symphysis pubis more like a shoulder dystocia and and is a maneuver, a rotational maneuver that you rotate in the opposite direction from the one um, that you would with the, the previously described maneuver, the pair hands maneuver. And it's designed to disimpact that shoulder, and you you rotate the shoulder off of the off of the synthesis. You rotate back to sacrum anterior, and again you let the let the delivery proceed.
0: And I know that this is probably not a super fair question because we probably don't have enough data to 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 really kind of I don't know to to really advise or to counsel through this. But you know, once the the bodies come through and the arms are delivered, and now we're just left with head. What is the likelihood that that head's just stuck there forever, and you know, in a term and a term baby that's presented in breach?
1: Well, yeah. Once the head is now down through the pelvis and at the pelvic outlet, there are maneuvers. What's the likelihood that it's stuck there forever? It very, 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 very low. Very, very low. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's, there, there are maneuvers to facilitate the delivery of that head if the baby's compromised. If there's some reason to do so but for the most part that that is not a scenario that should scare anyone the scenario that typically scares people so much is the cervical head entrapment and cervical head entrapment is a thing but it's an incredibly rare thing i don't think it happens in term babies i think it when it happens it happens in Typically, asymmetrically growth-restricted babies or very, very small preterm babies,
0: and and so that you know that the last little piece is a, goes into the selection criteria and whatnot. If if you just don't think that this is a good patient to offer this to, and you don't have an experience, then instead of doing something that may harm this right. this scenario, then. It may be better to do a C-section in some patients, but oh, but when we have a patient who's delivered multiple babies, this is a term baby that has no anomalies, and she is actively laboring, we have a rump that's delivering, and, and, and labor is progressing normally, you may alternatively do more harm by rushing into the operating room to do a C-section, which I know you're really good at, because you do too many of them, but that is not a a, a reason to to put this woman through maybe some unnecessary morbidity and, and potentially even mortality, you know, with a, with a major abdominal surgery. Thank you for that. That's, that was really helpful. Again, in the interest of time, I think we will wrap it up. We still have some more workshop to continue. Um, I did want to, you know, give you the opportunity maybe to talk a little bit more about the workshops, how people can find out more information. I think that what you're doing is, is, is great. Obviously, I'm here, so I'm biased. But um, I, I hope to stay in touch and to, and to even go to more workshops in the future. So to help maybe people here what they should be thinking about, where they can get more resources.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, go from there.
2: Yeah, you can head on over to breachworkshop.com. We offer two- and three-day intensive vaginal breach training workshops. We will go anywhere in the world. We will bring it to you, to your institution, to your community. And we will train your physicians and your midwives how to do vaginal breech births. You'll get to know how to do them in supine and especially in upright, because we are f- focusing especially on upright physiological breech because the research indicates that it's easier, it's less harmful for the mother, less harmful for the baby, and certainly a lot fewer C-sections are needed.
0: Versus being on their versus back. Versus being
2: on your back Correct. for a breech birth. So if you go to breachworkshop.com, you can find it. You can also go to breechwithoutborders.org. That's our nonprofit that runs the breech workshops. And we are generally booking workshops in the US and Canada, North America, Oceania in the second half of the year. So August through December and January through July, we're going to be in Europe and farther afield, actually anywhere else in the world, we will be based in Europe. And so we will fly from there to do workshops in that part of the world. So it's an easy process. We take care of almost everything and we just want to teach you. We just ask that you show up and ready to learn.
0: We're gonna have to get you in Louisville. It just occurred to me because that's Stupid. my new home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna get you there. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being here. I don't um, want to delay us any further. We've got to go do some simulations. but um if anything comes up, um, I can always add it into the show in the in the outro. For everybody listening, there's gonna be comprehensive show notes. We're gonna have some diagrams and things to sort of not only help you understand some of the literature, but also understand maybe some of the techniques that if you end up in this situation and you're going to give this a shot it'd be nice to just have some some visual visual aids in order to help you through that so uh, if you have the opportunity please check out this workshop it's been amazing and it gets you thinking a lot about a lot of things so um thanks again Oh man it's so much fun to re-listen to some of these old interviews. That is a gem. Hopefully you enjoyed the history of how these practices fell out of favor. The, what the data actually shows with regards to safety. I'm using air quotes on my end of a vaginal breach, birth, home birth, et cetera. And, um, hopefully you'll, you'll check out breach without borders and come and attend one of the workshops. I'm going to be hosting another one here in 2023 20, next year. I'm going to make it an annual thing. Cause I love hosting them and I love getting the practice myself. I, um, Hope that you'll check out our sponsors, Fit for Birth, Get fitforbirth.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on personalized coaching for you or your partner through pregnancy into postpartum. Or if you're a coach, you can improve your skills by signing up for, for any of their courses and just becoming a little bit better at what you do. That's Fit for Birth. Please be sure to check out Full Will Fertility. If anybody in your life is on the pregnancy train or they're, uh, so they've started their conception journey Make sure that they have the best prenatal vitamins on the market. Fullwell's got it. They've been acknowledged in multiple magazines and publications for how high quality their product is and remains consistently. So go to fullwellfertility.com. Use code Beloved10. You'll save 10%. Supporter sponsors, guys. They are entrusting me with their products, and I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't give them even 15 seconds of ad time if I didn't really believe in what they do. So thank you for that. My practice is BelovedHolistics.com. I've got a great newsletter. You get a free ebook when you sign up. You can sign up there one-on-one for me, just book a free discovery call and then uh, we'll find it's a good, if it's a good fit. Um, And if you're a midwife, birth educator, doula, health coach, whatever, different type of doctor, and you need an MD consultant frequently, my collaborator program is growing and thriving. And I am so stoked about that because this is the best way to make myself most as, as available as I can to as many people as possible. So you can find that it's called my collaborator program. It is a private association Um, And I encourage you all to consider it if you think that having an MD consultant in your back pocket for a very reasonable monthly fee would help you to uh, optimize your care for your clients. That is all I've got today, guys. Please stay well, be loved, and I will see you next time on the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Take care. Good job,